Alright everyone, welcome to the latest podcast. I'm here again with another one, except this one will be featuring Andre, original podcast host, and now a guest star. And oh. a mere a mere guest star, but here nonetheless. Yeah, here nonetheless. He's he's been busy being a big, competent <laughs> adult. And um, you know, just doing general life stuff. Adulting is overrated. Let's all just be ourselves, shall we? Anyway. Oh, actually, before I start up on the topic, I would like to say, what did you give yourself for Pride Month, Andre? Mm, thank you for asking. Um, let's see. Two things. One is I gave myself a cartouche, which is another word for a tattoo. You know, a tattoo is a way, it's a form of communication between people that um, you don't have to say anything, you know. You think about it, if you look at somebody and you see a tattoo on their body, there's a there's a form of communication there. So I got a tattoo, cartouche, and it says born this way, and it's an anchor, and um, so I got that. And then the second thing I gifted myself for Pride Month is um, spending time with my friend Stephen because um, for me, he, I just feel such a sense of total allowance of, of non-judgmentalness that I can just be who I am and um, it's all okay. And also to support Stephen in his move because Stephen graduated from high school and is moving into his new space, uh, which brought about the topic that he's interested in discussing. Thank you, Andre, immediately making this all kinds of feelsy. Anyway, and for Pride Month, I actually, just before I begin the topic, I, I did get myself something for Pride Month. I got myself a new Pride-themed jacket, and, um, I don't know, I made some fudge. I, I wanted to celebrate for myself, I made fudge. Oh yeah, I, I got a new smoking pipe, that's another thing. I got myself a nice new pipe, it's got some weight to it, it's one of the good wood ones. Mouthpiece is still plastic, but not everything can be perfect. Yeah, you know, I just want to talk about that because sometimes we don't recognize it until there's language brought to it. But Stephen and I were talking about how things have, um like a weight and a, what was the word we used to them? A comfort or a comfort or there's another word, you know, like you could smoke something and it's a particular experience. And yet if there's something that you're holding and it just feels right, you know, or, you know, that sort of thing that you, we honor what feels right for ourselves and go, yes, this feels right. And so, you know, it's important to recognize what we, experience as feeling good for ourselves. Oh yeah, I definitely think that understanding and having... Sorry everyone, my cat is busy being <laughs> special. Oh my god. Anyway, I don't do re-records. <laughs> <laughs> yes! But, um, it's all off the cuff. But, what Andre was saying is, um... Basically, I, I actually got this new pipe not just because I'm downsizing and no longer need a water pipe for my smoke, but because 
I had, there was a family heirloom that was my grandfather's, and it was a wooden pipe, and I chewed on it a lot. Like, I would chew on the end of it. Andre also did something similar with his dad's. And so we both feel this kind of connection to this object. It feels very comfortable to be held and to just kind of rest with, even if you're not smoking out of it. It's something that's comforting. It has a density. It's very real. It's there. And, you know, it's, it's, it's perfectly normal and fine to find comfort in objects and doing certain things or routines in a specific way. And even if if you're like Andre and you smoke cloves, like, again, it's something comforting. It's not even necessarily any kind of effect you get from it. It's just the action and process of doing something. Just like how drawing may not be fun, but the finished product is nice. It's the process. But, um, aside from that, on to the topic, which is... Um, yeah, with Stephen moving, he's, um, having a rite of passage. He graduated from high school, which is huge, you know, for a lot of us in the trans community when our parents give us the boot and we have nobody. Um, so Stephen did it, he graduated and now he's making a choice. Um, he had a couple choices that he could have made from here and, um, he's chosen to, allow himself to be supported by an organization by and by a person that says hey you know what come this way I've got a place for you I've got an organization that will support you and being who you are out in the world and so Stephen's moving to a new apartment in a few weeks and so what he felt to talk about is um creating our own space um, in yoga, it's called creating your own bhav. It's like an energetic. So what that entails and what that involves is like knowing what's important to me. What do I like? Which, you know, it could be simple to the every you know, to, to people in the world. But sometimes in the trans community, we're so closeted. We're even closeted to ourselves, like knowing what do I like? What the fuck do I like? What do I enjoy? What you know, what do I, what kind of space do I want to create for myself with fabrics, with furniture, with all of it, you know? So it's about not only creating a boundary, yes, and inside of that boundary, what kind of space do I want to create for myself where I thrive and become and bloom in a continuous fashion of who I am? All right, much, much more elegantly than I would have put it, but, uh, Basically, figure out what shit you want around you all the time. Um, I realize that since my original partner and such left, I had not actually unpacked any of the things in my room. I left everything in storage bins. I never really adapted or made the space my own or decorated anything, in fact. I didn't have anything up on the walls, and... Only now, before I'm moving, have I actually started kind of putting things together and making it a space that says something about the person who's in it. A space that I can go in and enjoy looking at. And I think it's so important to feel at home and to have a signature style, almost, with where you are. And... It just makes it so much more real because, again, the space 
was put together by you in a fashion that is definitely yours. Mm -hmm. And it's just so important to make a space your own. Mm -hmm. Because I realized I wasn't living in a house. I was living in a room and I just kind of had the necessities laying around, but I didn't actually have any kind of comfort mm. put up on the walls. I didn't have anything to catch my eye or to display to others to kind of show the personality of this room or mine. Mm -hmm. Because your room and your space conveys something about you, mm -hmm. unconsciously to yourself mm -hmm. and to others. Well said. And yeah. yeah, that's well said. You know, what bring what that brings to mind is I had a friend who said, um, you know, she was having a lot of difficulty feeling her space of her new bedroom and a friend's and a person's and a and a person said to her, Take everything out of your room and then only bring back in what you feel to bring in. And not only take everything out of your room, but when you take it out of your room, allow the energies to settle. And then bring things back in. So, you know, you might be moving into a new space like Stephen, or you might have an existing space. And you might say, shoot, I don't got any money, this, that, the other. It doesn't matter. You can dream it. You can imagine it. You know, Stephen works at a thrift store. And so, you know, he's going to score on that. You know, you, you know, we do what we can with what we have. You know, you don't have to have a million dollar budget. So just start with what you have, with where you are. If you already have things and you can't feel yourself, you could take that coaching on and remove everything from your room and then bring only back in what you absolutely love and set up your space so it's a sanctuary. We all need a place where we can go, ideally, in an ideal world where we can rejuvenate. So ask yourself, is this space that I'm in, is it rejuvenating? If not, look around. What can you do? Maybe tidy up. Maybe, you know, this, that, the other. Maybe hang a simple tapestry. You know, one thing can change everything. So, you know, don't, you know, if we let go of cynicism and resignation and stand in, you know, what do we love and what do, creating a sanctuary for ourselves, whether we're moving into a new space or we have an existing space, it can happen for ourselves. And again, I feel like, and you, uh, I, the topic I'm about to bring up is, you might be thinking, how does this relate to being trans and or gay? Well, y'all, you see, a lot of the time when trans people come out, or I feel like they realize themselves, I feel like it's a huge life change, and I feel like a lot of the time, they don't take a moment to change their space. I feel like there is a life shift when you decide to transition and i'm i've been helping my current partner with it is changing their space to reflect their insides to reflect their actual tastes and who they are now and again it's letting go of the past and kind of putting in a different energy in that space because it is true you need a sanctuary you need somewhere that you feel cozy and comfortable and relaxed in that expresses you and is nothing but you because you have to deal with everyone else all day 
your space is yours. And at the end of the day, a trans person's space may say a lot about them. It may say they haven't let go of elements of their past. It may say they're keeping some things. It may say they aren't keeping some things. And I think it's very important. It's not just getting rid of the old clothes you don't wear anymore or taking older pictures of yourself off the wall. It's not just changing up the sheets on your bed. It's developing and creating a style and expressing who you are now through your space. You can change your space every month if you're changing every month. Well said. You know, a friend of mine says, constant course adjustments. You know, on our journey, it's about constant course adjustments and being willing to not be, you know, locked into a particular way and being willing to flow and change with, you know, how we are flowing and changing. So, you know, sometimes it's just about, like, I'll just move a piece of furniture and, you know, if, if, it's, at, if it's flat up against the wall, I'll put it at an angle. Just one little, one little chi change and... And it can affect so much. Yeah. yeah, like if the space you're in can say so much about you and you can say a lot about the space that you're in. But like Andre said, I think even if it is just something little, not so much as like painting the walls or doing any of that, but even if you do just move where your bed is, maybe get new bed sheets of a different color or just anything to better conform to how you would like to see yourself in your space. It's a matter of picturing that space that's ideal in your mind. Now you can go on Pinterest or look at any kind of room ideas that you want, but you don't necessarily have to follow an exact motif. It's about picturing the space that you want and what you want in it. Because though I don't really believe in keeping most things, it, like you don't have to be super material oriented in order to decorate a space, you just have to give meaning to what you put into it. Mm. Well said. It's like it's about intention. Um, you know, and I think too, Stephen, like what's behind it all is <clears throat> the willingness to acknowledge, like, what do I love? You know, what's important to me? Because from that comes the the outer experience. And, you know, for many of us in the trans community, we haven't been willing to look at what do I really love? You know, what... It's the difference between surviving and thriving. Like, am I just surviving in my surroundings or am I thriving? Um... So looking at, um, you know, how are we being kind to ourselves? Um, what, what can I do to, you know, maybe we have some clutter. Maybe it's about uncluttering. Sometimes um, I used to do feng shui consulting, and the first thing that's to be addressed is, like, what's currently in the space. Is there clutter? If there's clutter, you can't do anything until you deal with the clutter, which is sometimes an external representation of our internal clutter. So, you know, when we're clearing up the clutter in our outer world, we're dealing with our inner clutter as well. So just know that it may be difficult and confronting as fuck, and 
if you deal with it, you know, you're healing on multiple levels of clutter sometimes. So you can look around your current space and honestly ask yourself, you know, is there clutter here? And am I willing to confront and deal with in a loving fashion what might be cluttering, what I might be cluttering in my own world because I don't want to deal with letting go, allowing a flow, and thriving in life. And like I've said many, many times before, I say it in almost every podcast, there's nothing wrong, and it's probably more so just to convince myself and get myself out of my old habits, but there's nothing wrong with asking for help or having a friend over Mm. to assist. Say, hey, I want to rearrange some furniture, or hey, you think you can help me clean out my house or something? Because oftentimes having an outsider perspective on what's going on is the best thing you can have. I I just want to interject. That's so brilliant. And I'm going to tell you, listeners, to the extent to which you're thinking, oh, that's great, and that's not for me, (laughs) that's for you. I promise you. Because The more you deny it, the more true it is. (laughs) As trans, we've become so independent, it's almost like a a hindrance, you know? And so... Being vulnerable and asking someone to assist us with something, it really takes a lot. And it's, um, you know, allowing others to contribute to us in our lives. Um, it's part of the, 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 the circle of life. And um, I'm aware, I'm completely aware that it's allowing people into your personal space. And, you know, maybe it's too much to allow someone into your bedroom. I completely get that. And... Let's all look at where we're totally, completely blocked and walled off at allowing people into our lives and allowing people to come in and assist us. And, you know, we can give back in return. We can make them some nice soup or maybe, you know, bake them a cake or something, you know, allow there to be an even exchange. But it's allowing the love to come and go in our lives. It's so important. Yeah, just spend time with people and you know, a lot of the time building a space with someone else, sometimes they may help help you realize your vision more by, yes. again, putting in that outsider perspective on what you like and what you need. You may not be able to think of it off the bat, but your friend may know that you had an obsession with the color <laughs> orange or something, and yeah. you might want to put more orange objects in your room to brighten your mood or something of that sort. But again, it's a matter of opening some of those doors and kind of bringing down your boundaries a little bit because a lot of the time we forget that we're social animals and we require that kind of interaction. It's huge. Yeah. And not only that, but yes, and we'll get good feedback about, you know, someone, you know, if I say, oh gosh, I really love the color gold and silk blah, blah, and I have this particular set way on ideas of what I'm going to do. Well, when we share it with someone else, they might come back with some other really good ideas. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a collaboration. It's not just them. It's a co-creation. You're creating with them. They're not just giving you feedback. You're creating it together, and they're contributing to you. And it doesn't make it any less your space if right. someone helps you with it. Right. It just makes it that much more personable Mm. because it means that 
not just you can enjoy and adapt to your space, but you can also invite others into your space, whether they need a safe space to be in for a short time, or whether you just want to welcome someone into that space. A lot of the time, inviting someone into your room is something important. It's something that you may not always do, because it's a personal aspect of your life, and it is your safe space. Mm -hmm. So you have to make your safe space safe for you, and you have to put in that kind of energy, but you should also make sure that if you open up to it, you make your safe space somewhere that other people can feel safe too. Mm -hmm. I think to an extent that can be very important because sometimes you might have a friend who just really needs a minute with you or just needs a minute to themselves that they can't have and you may be able to offer them a space where you can offer it even if you just have them over for a day and just kind of let them hang out on your bed or whatever it's something that can mean so much to them so when you make a space your own when you make a space cozy when you make it inviting when you add a style to it people want to be in it and oftentimes that can help with someone else's mood who doesn't feel like they have a space. They can feel your space and feel like they have a place in it. And I'm not saying you have to let people in your room. I'm just saying that it's okay to and it's probably good for you. Anyway. Yes, like um, let, allowing people in with boundaries. Um, you know, there's a there's the animal tarot cards, and there's a particular animal that I learned about called the armadillo. And the armadillo uh, protects itself, and it has layers of protection. And so armadillo uh, math, if you will, is about allowing people in and yet with boundaries uh, to the point where you feel safe. So, you know, maybe you invite them into your living room, and that's it. You know, or maybe you, you know, whatever feels safe for you. So that's armadillo protection. Different levels of allowance. All right. Okay. It's about four o'clock. Andre has places to be. He's so going you. up for some more open mics. I have nowhere to be. I'm going <laughs> to be on my back porch and I'm going to be smoking. But basically... Andre has been going to lots of open mics, and we're all very proud of him. He's been being a beautiful little star. He even has a new mentor. He is just just shining, just shooting right across the sky. I'm very happy for him. So Thank you. he's about to go into town, and this has been a wonderful podcast. I enjoyed every moment of it. Oh, um, again, like at the end of every episode, I have to plug the email. Beyond trans, beyond trans at gmail.com, B and then Y-O-N-D and then T-R-A-N-S at gmail.com. Just message me there. You can find me on social media. I've given out my Twitter before. I think I posted it on my anchor page, but I'm not sure. So that's beyond trans without the E. Keep the E for yourself because you're fucking exceptional. So beyond trans at email.com without the E. Please email us any questions, Stephen, any questions, suggestions, whatever you need. And we both hope that you create a wonderful sanctuary, rejuvenative, 
Ah, inhale, exhale space for yourself because we all deserve it, yes? Yes. Also, I am going to add one last comment, and it's going to be a, definitely a Steve comment, but make a room you feel comfortable having sex in. Yes. Okay? That's a Steven and Andre. Hello. I mean, it's it's important. It you is. don't want... You don't want a room that's, like, awkward to bring your partner into or something. You gotta make that space comfy. That's anyway. Very, very real. Very beautiful. Thank you. Goodbye, y'alls. Hey, everyone. Good afternoon. Almost afternoon, that is. And welcome to the BT Podcast. As I said in my previous podcast, yes, I am trying to podcast more regularly, and trying to be more um, quick with updates on stuff, but I wanted to discuss something pretty important with you guys today, though I do have limited time to do so. Alright, basically the issue here is, I think that the topic for today is taking charge. Now, that probably sounds really lame. It's probably something you think you'd read in a crappy motivational book that you'd find at Books A Million for like a dollar in the front. But I think there's something really important to be said about doing something for yourself rather than for someone else, or doing something for yourself just to do it for yourself in spite of, let's say, barriers or boundaries that you think might be preventing you from accomplishing something. Now, honestly, I've been off my medication for almost a month and a half now, and that's not a good thing. I take an antidepressant, and one thing that I've realized in order to combat these bad cycles I go through when I'm off my medication, which is usually just due to having problems getting my prescriptions refilled, I found that forcing myself to do something in spite of possible barriers or boundaries I might think are there usually ends up making me realize that I actually can't accomplish what I think I can't. Because a lot of the time, your mind or even your body might be trying to tell you that you can't accomplish things. Like, maybe you feel too tired to do something, or maybe you just feel inadequate or incapable, but you're definitely capable. Now, that doesn't mean go run a marathon or, you know, become president or something. It's nothing serious and big like that, but it's the little things like getting out of bed or brushing your teeth or combing your hair. Something that's small, but possibly important, and something you shouldn't shrug off. You have to make routines for yourself in order to set your mind in a state where you need to do something. I'm the kind of person that needs to stay busy, or else I end up giving in to those kind of urges and little voices in my head that tell me, or make me think that... I can't do something, or that I shouldn't, or that it's not worth it. And I think that's one thing that helped me in my transition, was being told that I have to do something. And feeling like I have to do something. 
having an outside voice telling me I need to stop saying I can't because if I keep saying that, then I never will. And, you know, I went to my clinic yesterday and I was able to get refills on all of my medication, including my medication for my metabolism because I'm technically pre-diabetic. And for a while, I had just kind of cried to myself about it and said it's never going to get done and I might as well just give up. But if you hold out long enough, good things happen, I guess. Aside from that, that's kind of not the only topic I'm covering here. I also wanted to talk about taking charge and helping others. Because there's something to be said if you're able to give yourself a go-getter attitude and one of your friends might be struggling with that kind of concept. Sometimes it's okay to give people a little bit of a push, but you also need to listen to them and, you know, not try and blurt out as many solutions as possible to them. Let them unravel their situations for themselves. And I say that because also yesterday, the person who took me to my appointment, one of my closest friends and one of the people who's helped me a lot lately, is Christy. I'm in a program that helps youth who, you know, don't have family or parents or something. And, well, that fits my description, but... Christy basically helps me do everything that a mom would help her kid do. And one thing that she said is oftentimes she needs to just sit back and relax because she needs to figure things out. And it's because sometimes when you're in a situation and you feel like you have to do something your mind just bundles up all of your problems and it seems like a big tangled mess. But one way to kind of fix that is to slowly kind of recite what you need to do in steps, which unravels it and makes it more like one linear process. I'm not gonna lie, I've been putting off changing my name. And that's one thing that I'm trying to fix and take charge over. And it's mostly because I am currently in a situation where I'm moving from my current address. And <laughs> it's a little difficult because you need to have more of a set address to put on your paperwork and such so that you can, you know, be found and given information and court dates and, you know, they can prove your identity and place of residence. So, I've kind of been making dates for myself on days when I'm going to do things. I've been printing out my paperwork one step at a time. And I've been informing Christy of the process so that she can help me with it and, you know, tell me when I need to do something. And I think that's also a good thing. It's a good thing to have someone that you tell this process to so that they can help remind you of what you need to do and when you need to do it. There's nothing wrong asking for a little assistance from friends and even reminders sometimes.
Though, I'll admit, I'm not the best about this. I think one thing that bothers me that probably bothers a lot of people is being a bother. You don't want to seem needy, entitled, or just generally like you're asking too much of someone. And a lot of the time you don't want to burden someone with your problems. And that's something I think we all struggle with a little bit sometimes. That feeling of inadequacy and worthlessness that makes you not want to ask for help or not want to ask for assistance. I talked with Andre about this on the podcast before, about being entitled or knowing that it's okay to ask for things because the worst that can be said to you is no. A lot of the time, we also fear rejection for putting too much on people. We fear that asking too much of someone will make them think differently of us, or it'll irritate them. But oftentimes, it's just a heartfelt no that you hear. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, and it doesn't mean that the person doesn't care about you. But it's a good thing to ask, and to be heard, and let people know that you're maybe in need of some assistance. Or maybe you might want them to remind you of something. Anyway, sorry. I'm a little sidetracked in this place and time at the moment, but I really wanted to just kind of get some things out there and spitball some ideas with the audience and kind of talk about things for a little bit. I've had a lot on my mind recently, especially with this move happening, (laughs) and I think that things are going to get better for me. They have been getting better, and I just wonder, have they been getting better for any of you? What are some problems you guys have been struggling with? I tend to worry about my audience as if they're family, almost, or friends at least, even though I don't see, talk, or hear any of you really. (laughs) And I think that's okay. I just kind of want to let you guys know that there's a voice out here that worries about you. A voice that needs to give more constant updates and be better. And, you know. Uh, Anyway, sorry, I'm frazzled. So, back on to uh, today's topic of taking charge. Again, taking charge does involve asking people for things, and... It also involves self-motivation, but sometimes taking charge may require some aggression or a certain amount of a prod. Sometimes you need to be pushed. Sometimes you need to tell your friends that you need to be pushed. Sometimes you might need to tell your family that you need to be pushed a little harder to get things done. I've found that my current partner needs that. Oftentimes, she needs a reminder or a little help doing something, and I have no problem providing that. I think it's important that you all ask yourselves 
if you need that. Do you need someone to remind you or help you do something? Do you need someone to check in on you and make sure you got something done if you forget about it or get too nervous to do it? Is there someone who would accompany you to do something that you might be nervous to do on your own? You have to take charge and ask and try and get things done for yourself without help, sure, but if you do need help, you have to ask somebody. And there's nothing wrong with asking for a little help here and there. Another thing of taking charge is just kind of trying to push back all of those things that tell you that you can't do it. Or, you know, <laughs> try and get the energy to do it. Energy is something very difficult to come by. And since I'm off my antidepressant, I feel myself having a lot less energy. I feel myself being tired and unmotivated. But one thing that motivates me is what's around me. I have two, two animals that I need to take care of. I think to myself, if I didn't go to work today, if I just slept in, where would my two pets be? Well, they wouldn't have food to eat. And that pushes me to push myself. I think of the things I have to take care of. Because sometimes you need more than just taking care of yourself to motivate you. Because, you know, if you don't like yourself, or if you suffer from the kind of anxiety I have, then you're not really too concerned with taking care of yourself sometimes. Sometimes you need to think of what your decisions do to others in order to improve. Like, if you did something, what could it do for someone else? Or what could it do to improve your life and therefore, by extension, the lives of those around you? My animals depend on me. And honestly, a lot of the time, they've been my reason for living. They've been my reason for not doing harmful things to myself, or trying to do something that may end up harmful. Oftentimes I stop, I think of them, and I remember that they need someone around 24-7 to make sure that they're okay, because they can't do it for themselves. That might be a lot of pressure to put on yourself, or you know, put on your mind, but sometimes a little pressure is good. Sometimes you need a poke to get going. And a lot of the time, that's part of taking charge. I take charge so I can take care of the things in my life that can't take care of themselves. And I think that having a motivation like that is important. Get up to take care of your pets because they need you. Get up and go to work because your coworkers need you there. And if you aren't there, it'll be a really rough day for them. Get up and pay your bills so that your power doesn't go out and stuff like that. And sometimes it can be really difficult, especially if you're dysphoric like me all the time. I hate going to work and getting mammed when I'm at the door and I have a mustache. But, you know, sometimes people are a little oblivious and... It can make me really hate my job, being involved with that many people on a daily basis, and some of them just 
ignoring my name tag that says Steven and instead listening to only my voice or something like that and immediately taking that opportunity to misgender me, maybe even not intentionally, but, you know, that's the kind of thing that takes away that motivation and just makes you feel worthless and crappy and dysphoric. But, you know what? I have to try and ignore it because I need money. And my coworkers need me to be at work. So, I have to be there and I have to just deal with it. And it's a crappy situation, but a lot of the time, it's okay. Because I know that that money will go towards my name change and things that will make me less dysphoric. And I try to forgive all of the patrons who might do that because oftentimes, though I'm in a slump and I don't realize it, they often look embarrassed after saying it and walking away. You have to remember that not everything is out to get you. You have to try and get past your paranoia a little bit. And you have to remember your motivation and what made you do it in the first place. Sometimes taking charge can be a good thing or a bad thing. I think when it becomes a bad thing, it's when you take charge for a bad reason. Maybe you get too aggressive about something and you're trying to defend yourself. But you have to remember, not everyone sees anything from your point of view. You have to remember that you have to be kind to others. Not to the point that it makes you a doormat, but you have to recognize that not everyone is going to be understanding of your situation. Especially if you work in a place like me. I deal with a lot of older customers because I work in a thrift store. A lot of older customers may not get it, or may not understand it, or they may just get confused. Because, well, I'm short, and <laughs> I have a high voice, and it might make them immediately think female, but usually, sometimes it's their poor eyesight, and sometimes it's their hearing, but they don't mean to be rude to me. Sometimes. I say that sometimes, because some people, you're just going to run into bad people, and you have to try to ignore them. But, you know, work is hard, especially if you're trans or anything of the above. And then sometimes you feel like you don't have motivation to do things, or motivation to take charge of anything. But when you do get overly aggressive, you have to remind yourself that that's not going to make anything better. Taking a step back from a situation and looking at it from a, more not, from a more unbiased point of view is all you can do. And sometimes that's just good enough to remind you that there's no reason to get super aggressive or abrasive with the situation that you're in. Sometimes you can take too much charge and that's okay, you just need to recognize it. And sometimes when you don't take enough charge, you can let go of yourself or the life around you. I mean, recently I helped a friend clean out their room and such, and it was a disaster. Lots of things that they hadn't taken care of because they were just letting themselves waste away in their room. 
They didn't take charge because they felt bad about themselves, and they hadn't told anyone what they were going through. It's okay to vent, because venting will help you take charge of the situation. Venting will help unravel those problems and lay them out for you in a line of steps that you might be able to deal with. Anyway, our podcast is coming to an end, and now that I've rambled extensively about topics that were probably very lamely intertwined and poorly decided, I think it's time to say goodbye to all of my listeners. Thank you for tuning in again to whatever this podcast is slowly becoming. I appreciate all of my trans listeners, and I actually wanted to do a segment on non-binary people um, in the near future. However, I don't exactly know many non-binary people in real life. I only know about one or two, and I wish I knew more because... Non-binary people are very interesting people, they're very unique, and I feel like we can learn a lot from them and their um, perception of gender for themselves as well as others. So, yeah, that's probably a topic that'll be coming up soon, and hopefully I'll be able to introduce it with a guest at some point. But anyway, farewell to all BT Podcast listeners, and uh, yeah... That's it for now. If you want to contact me, you can contact me at the beyondtrans email at gmail.com. Or you can message me on this platform. Or maybe even go to my Twitter. (laughs) Uh, I know a lot of people use Twitter. I sometimes use it. I post on occasion. So if you want to try and contact me on Twitter or anything like that, my user is... Steve Southern on Twitter, you'll probably find me. And, you know, that's about it. So, again, thank you guys for tuning in. I will be back with another podcast probably in the next two to three days. Bye bye. Um, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but it's not currently Andre running this podcast, it's the um, original partner, Steven. I'm the one who designed the logo and made up the name and all that. But I promise you I'll be trying to update with more content and more podcasts here and there. And I appreciate your support. And hearing that really made my day. And I'm sure when I tell Andre about it, it'll make his too. Thank you. Hey everyone. It's been a while since I've made an update on this podcast. I guess you could say it's because I've been really busy. It's still Steven running the podcast, but I just graduated high school and I finished a lot of that that's been going on in my life. Things have uh, been really rough for me lately, but, you know, I've been pulling through as usual. I just haven't had much time to do anything with the podcast and, you know, maybe even invite guests on or anything like that. That's much farther in the future, I think, but I do want to post regularly again, or at least try to. And I know this sound quality is probably garbage right now, 
and my voice probably doesn't sound great, but again, I haven't been doing too well, so. I just wanted to inform everyone, and again, I wanted to say, it's up to you guys what this podcast will turn into from here on, because I'm not really like Andre, and I know I can't be. Anyway, in the meanwhile, in the meantime, I did want to actually make this kind of a full podcast. So, I wanted to talk about the process of letting go, which is something a lot of trans people have to deal with, I think. The idea of letting go of a past life or past self almost. The idea of forgetting another identity. A lot of people feel like they're losing something when they transition. Because other people say they don't know you anymore. Or they don't know who, you know, your new name is. And I've been there. And it's something scary. And it crosses my mind here and then, where I feel like maybe I have changed as a person. And though we often look at that as something to be afraid of, I think it's extremely important to change as a person. Your transition is your coming of self. It's you becoming the best version of you that you can be. And... So many people will doubt you, and they'll feel threatened by it, because it interrupts their image or their feelings towards you. It's your interpretation of yourself rather than their interpretation of you. And oftentimes, that can be threatening to someone who might feel like they know everything about you, or maybe they want to feel they know everything about you, or maybe they just don't understand it and think that it's not okay because they don't like change. A lot of people are afraid of change. I'm afraid of change. I'm not gonna lie, I've been sitting on a couple things like getting my documents changed and all that, and, you know, I'm just afraid of the process. I'm afraid of change. That and also money is hard to come by, but, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's procrastination and brokenness is what prevents me from doing things. But, um, it's it's also that feeling of needing to let go of just getting something done and out of the way and i think so many people have to let go of this old self or alter identity you know it's it's very strange and interesting because though I never really truly 
went through it. I have been there, and I have felt like I was betraying people because they didn't know me. They didn't know Steve, and they didn't know um, how to respond to Steve. And they didn't know if Steve was, you know, the same or as fun or as nice as, you know, the old me. I mean, I've always really gone by Steve anyway, but it's still a shock when you really announce it and commit to it. When you admit to it and come out with honesty about it. People can be afraid of that. But aside from that, it's also just letting go to old habits. Letting go of being afraid to be yourself and experiencing things genuinely. A lot of the time, I still wonder, even in the sanctity of my own home when no one's watching me, if it's okay to do something because it might not validate the way I present myself. It might not translate masculinely, but at the same time, no one's watching me. I'm, I'm myself, no matter what I'm doing in my own private time, you know what I mean? So, don't ever be afraid to just do what you're doing in your own home, or in your own space, and feel like you're being judged. The validness of anyone's identity isn't based on their actions, but on their feelings. And still, I worry about if I cry while watching kitten videos at home, I'm still a man. And I have to let go of things like that. You have to let go of your preconceptions and this need to fit in or this need to conform to a standard. You have to let go to trying to abandon an old identity and realize you're just growing in a different way. You're adapting and changing. Becoming your best self. That's really what it's all about. Your best self is a mix of a lot of different traits and things that may not tra translate exactly into feminine or masculine. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's okay to be a mixture. But anyway... Another thing about letting go is, like I said, letting go of old habits of hiding yourself. Aside from hiding yourself based on validity and standards set by other people who might not even be watching you all the time, it's really, really important to let go on yourself. You know, you put standards on yourself too, not just other people. 
because you're the one who goes around enforcing these standards on yourself. And you have to look in the mirror and say that you're good enough and that it's okay to be you. Because there's nothing wrong with being different. There's nothing wrong with letting go of what people say to you and letting go of what people think is an old identity but is more so just a stage in your life that you're done with because you're changing and evolving. Everyone goes through changes. Everyone makes new images of themselves. Everyone has phases. It just happened that whatever gender they gave you before you were able to decide was a bad phase. At least mine was. Anyway, that concludes this short update slash podcast ramble, and I hope to do more of these. Again, my style is very different from Andre's, probably a lot more off-the-cuff, less scripted, and a lot uglier. But you know what? That's me, and you're gonna have to deal with it. Alright, love you guys. Peace out to the BT Podcast. Alright, and we're back with another BT Podcast. Um, There hasn't been one in a while, just because I've been extremely busy and just haven't been able to get to it, and also, like, other things have been going on, so I haven't been well enough to do it. I I do suffer from some issues every once in a while, but um, I'm actually here with Andre in a uh, bit of a... We're kind of road tripping at the moment, and... Road trip? Hello, everybody. Um... He, he wanted to do um, a podcast, and I said, all right, I'm, I'm feeling it. This is the moment to do it. There's nothing else to do. So, here we are. So, when you say you've had a lot going on, Stephen, what comes to mind for me is, like, there's more, it seems like, there's more to manage out in the world being trans. So you know, like normal quote-unquote everyday things like wearing a shirt and, you know, going to the bathroom and all those types of things, they might be nothing for some trans folks, but boy, even some very quote-unquote simple things can really take time and energy and effort when it's not safe to be who you are out in the world. When you don't feel safe being you out in the world, right? Wouldn't you say that? Oh yeah, definitely. I'll say my, my life may be weird and like eccentric and awkward but it would be much less so and I I can admit it'd be easier if I wasn't trans it definitely would be right because I I can't tell you how stressful it is like going out every day and like so like let's you know worrying about that kind of stuff so let's go there because like you do it every day so you're not present to like all those things so let's just talk about them like start with the first thing like that's not easy for you that quote-unquote might be easy for a, a cis, pet, normative person. I would say one thing that's not easy for me is just getting dressed in the morning. Like you said, picking out a shirt. Like, you... 
because sometimes it might not be as big of a deal and other times it might be it it all depends on your mood and also just clothes in general like how can you dress that day to make sure that you are one happy with yourself and two won't get hurt by someone <laughs> you know what i mean it's yeah it's like this weird thing where it's like safety but also comfort and a lot of the time, I'll end up just dressing like complete human garbage because I'd rather look like shit than like wear something that I'd feel uncomfortable in. Uh -huh. Because a lot of times, I think the biggest issue is feeling like you don't pass in something. You can like a piece of clothing as much as you want, but if you feel like you don't pass in it, like if you don't bind well in it, or if you feel like if you're if you're a woman, if you are a trans girl, if you feel like it doesn't make your boobies look nice, then you aren't gonna want to wear it even if it's like a really nice piece of clothing and you wish you could and you really want to wear it like you aren't gonna wear it just for the sake of you know trying to pass or because it accentuates a feature you don't like about yourself but with you know cis cisgender and heteronormative people they don't really worry about that they just put on a shirt and go and usually if something like that bothers them, they're just like, ah, oh, whatever. They don't have to worry about it as much. They don't have to worry about hiding things or accentuating things. I mean, unless they're, you know, trying to be formal or dressing appropriately to a setting or something, it's not as big of a deal. Mm hmm So, you know, oftentimes what we think is so personal to us is actually not personal, and many other people have the same experience and feel it. Um, and so when we're talking about wearing clothing that feels appropriate for how we identify, um, you know, for some people it doesn't matter. For some people it really does matter. You know, there's a whole spectrum. So, you know, there's that to consider. Um, I know for me, one of the opportunities that I have in operating out in the world is when people are purposefully mean to me that know me <laughs> and they purposely misgender me. Like, that's something I'm still moving through and not giving a shit or a fuck about. If people purposely are mean to me, like, I don't want to care anymore, you know? And I do. Sometimes it's still hurtful, but, you know. See, you and I have a very different approach. I. I have this thing where I, I get like super angry and I'm pissed off uh -huh. and then you're just like, eh, I, I mean, it's, it's like that one story about like the guy who came to the Buddha and he, he was talking some shit and then the Buddha was like, um, well, that's your problem, man. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it's just, I, somebody was talking smack to the Buddha. Yeah, did, yeah. You've never heard that story. What did he say? He was like, "Oh, you're just like a, you're a sham, you're a fake, you're not like a real prophet or whatever." And he was just all pissed off about nothing in particular. He was just pissed off because, you know, the Buddha's being the Buddha. And then um, the Buddha was like, "When you give someone a gift and they don't accept it, whose gift is it?" And then he's like, "Oh, well, then it's freaking, it's yours. It's." If you're the one who got it, then it's yours. And then he's like, exactly. <laughs> and it's just like a matter of that being your anger to hold on to then. I'm like, 
understandable, but also I'm pissed off, right? Like, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I'm, I'm an angry person, and it's not so much as me being angry for the sake of being aggressive, it's just I'm defensive and I want to defend myself because I want to speak out and be, you know, and not let people step on me, but at the same time I know it's not gonna do me any good. I know for me, you know, you know, we all get hurt, and well, most of, I don't know, maybe somebody doesn't out there, but, um, you know, for me, one of the things I've learned that's been a really great tool, you know, being trans out in the world is, um, being myself, is, um, <clears throat> there's this spectrum of passive, right, on up to aggressive. So, when, so, something happens, and then there's our reaction to it. So, the more space we can create between something happening and realizing we have a choice about how we're going to respond, which is free fucking will, right? So, what are we going to do? Somebody calls me a, you know, she, right? So, that happens, and then boom. The more space I can create between them saying that and my awareness that I can clearly choose how I want to respond, the more free I am, the more peaceful I am, the more happy I am. So it's about creating space. It's about having there be as, you know, as much of a gap there as possible. Mind the gap, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you know what? Sometimes I react like that, snap. Other times somebody says something and I do take a breath and realize that they're coming from a place that it's all about them uh, you know work in progress so there's this thing called passive aggressive scale and so like an example would be I really desire a raise at work okay mm -hmm. so if I was going to be passive about it I would walk around pacing and think in my mind boy I really want to raise I really want to raise it's been five years I really want to raise it'd be nice if I had a raise why don't they see me why don't they acknowledge me why don't they tell me why don't they give it to me I don't understand. It's not fair. Da, 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 right? So that's very passive. Like, never even opening your mouth, just letting it mull around in your mind. You see, I have a passive... Like, on the inside, I'm aggressive, but, like, on on the outside, I, I just say nothing and completely ignore the situation. Like, that's the thing. I don't actually do anything. I just feel very deeply about it. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And then there's the other end of the spectrum, which is aggressive. So, same example... It's been five years. You feel like you deserve a raise at work, and you just go off. And you just go, "I want a raise. How come I haven't got a fucking raise yet?" Right? And then all of a sudden, the person's like, "Whoa, what the fuck?" Right? So there's passive, and then there's aggressive, and then, ta-da! There's this middle road called balance. Yes, called assertive. So assertive is the ability to operate out in the world and make requests write that down everybody we all have the right to make requests and if we do it appropriately it's the willingness to receive a yes or a no right um, so passive aggressive and then right up the middle is assertive so learning how to be how learning how to assert ourselves appropriately is uh, learning how to communicate learning how to make requests we have the right to make requests in this world like I remember when I first learned that, it's like, oh my God, I can ask for something? Well, not only can you ask for something, but you can outrageously ask for it. We're, we're, it's about equality, so assertiveness. 
it's it's actually really funny. I I'm not gonna lie. When it comes to making requests, I've only really realized recently that I should make requests for things. Uh huh. Because I'm I'm not gonna lie. Everything that I have that's nice is given to me. Like all of the clothes I have that don't look like complete garbage or have holes in them. Those were gifts from people who knew I needed them. And I've only just now really come to the realization that it's okay for me to, like, request help or request something I may need from someone okay, so without let... feeling like a complete dick. And that's what being assertive is. It's doing something that is completely, like, unbiased but for your interest. Yes. Like, we have a right to our best interest, and no one else is going to look out for us except ourselves, really. Like, nobody really knows what we need, like, truly, except ourselves, except our own hearts. So it's the courage to be willing to ask for what we desire. And it takes guts. It's fucking vulnerable. So we're going to put this challenge out to all the listeners, and we will do the same, Stephen and I, is in the next 24 hours... Right? Let's become aware of where it is. An opportunity is going to arise, I promise you, where you can be assertive, assert yourself, and ta-da, make a request. So it'll come to you, and then you can, you can preface it with, I have a request. Right? Start there, and then say it. So let's all take that on, and the next day, we're going to make a request and assert ourselves. I have a request to God to give me a corn dog right now. <laughs> I'm just joking, y'all. But um, well, the Buddha could. He can make yes. you one with everything. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I had to do it. But um, actually, it's it's funny. Like coming to that, I just I feel like another thing that trans people deal with on on the daily. I don't know why. But I feel like this is definitely universal, that all trans people, at, at least once a day, feel extremely embarrassed by or about something. Yeah? Can you give an example? Like, if you haven't had your name changed yet, like, in my situation, you'll, you're gonna feel fucking super embarrassed and upset if someone asks for you by that name and you don't respond, mm. and then, like, you know, it's all weird... Or you're going to feel embarrassed when you have to verify your ID and they think that you're trying to commit credit fraud. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or, you know, just things like that. Or you're just going to feel embarrassed if someone maybe misgenders you or references something being feminine or masculine about your appearance or clothing. You're going to feel embarrassed by or about something. I'm so glad you shared that because, man, we all think that's so personal. But so many of us go through that. I can't tell you how many of my friends I've talked to have that experience, and it's just awful. Yeah. It's like, it's like your whole, like, body just sinks in on itself, and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Uh, th this is it. I'm just gonna die here. That's it. My bed's made. I'm laying it. All right, so here's the thing. So life happens, right? Boom. Someone calls you by your name that you don't desire to be called to. So that's what happens. Now, boom, can we create space? How are we going to react to it? We feel how we feel about it, right? It does, but we are not our feelings. So what can we do? Like, uh, you know, 
it sucks and that's life so what can we do I'd I'd say just come up um, this is one thing my my lady does she just comes up with different ways of looking at it like and, and makes jokes out of it okay. and I could admire that because she's a very humorous person and she knows how to take things lightly and honestly in my situation like me and my friend were talking about you know our bodies and personal things and we both happen to be trans and so we kind of came up with our own word for our parts and it the word is man cave but i, I think you can all <laughs> understand what it means but it's just kind of coming up with things to universally maybe describe <laughs> yourself it. or I understand a situation i love it or be able to just look at it from a different perspective there's just to no be able to establish something that can separate the embarrassment from the topic because if you make it laughable or yes. to yourself or you make it understandable to yourself then it becomes less embarrassing. I so agree. There's no greater power in the world to diffuse darkness, negativity, and shit than humor. Also, it's so healing. Here, let me put it this way. Okay. So Who else imagine... is going to say man cave? That's so creative. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the thing. What I, what, I, what I mean is also... It takes brilliant intelligence to be witty like that. Okay, go ahead. Okay, think about it in the perspective of this. Like, when it comes to embarrassing situations. You hear that your friend, that someone has pissed their pants. Like, right next to you. Okay, done that. Well, okay. Um, I'm not going to be Andre, ashamed about it. <laughs> I love you, but please, please don't pee on me. <laughs> okay, I won't. Okay. But, um... What I mean is, there's no context to that situation. So it's like, oh, fuck. Like, oh, that's embarrassing. Now, to add context, the person who has pissed their pants next to you is, like, three years old. Boom. It's no longer embarrassing because okay. they're a three-year-old. Now, let's say... Okay, now I'm out on a limb. I'm embarrassed because I'm... No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> but... Well, no, well Andre, I mean... <laughs> but what I'm saying is... um. To add context, someone is at the bank and, you know, they have to look at your ID or whatever or do your credit thing, and they're just doing their job, and if anything, they might be embarrassed having, like, you know, called you out and embarrassed you in front of the entire bank, and, you know, they might go home thinking, oh, shit, I'm such an asshole, or they might get reprimanded by their boss, or their friends may laugh at them because they're embarrassed or whatever that they were like fucking with somebody yes or you know you know it, it's just things like that might be embarrassing for them but also you know it might be embarrassing just because they might be just being openly ignorant and you just have to think of it that way like if they're willing to display this much like arrogance in public like they're making a jackass out of themselves then like obviously it's more embarrassing for them like they should feel ashamed of it when they're older you know yes whether they're already like 30 year old 30 years old or something they should feel bad about it when they're 90 like have, wake up in cold sweats about it you know yes it's just thinking of it in terms like that just like putting like putting out the embarrassment you gotta like just think of it in different terms or different ways and contexts that make it less embarrassing yes and when we have shame there's one tool that will heal that and that is empathy. And I what is empathy? Going, I was going to say butterfingers, but you got listen, me there. It's listening. 
empathy is listening. So a great way to heal our shame, which is internalized stigma, is having somebody listen to us. Asking a therapist or a friend. And also a great way we can heal others' shame is to listen. A lot of times we think a conversation, having a conversation legit, is talking and then talking more. But there's this whole world in a conversation called listening. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I think listening is just extremely important. And when it comes to everyday like transactivities, I feel like you have to listen a lot more because you have to be careful about things. But also, I, I just want to say, when I'm out with trans friends, I find myself having to listen to them a lot more closely because the thing is, we actually create social cues between each other to let each other know if a situation is uncomfortable or if we feel unsafe or if we're actually having a good time. We actually have this like complex inner language. Right. So and, listening and, and has become like, a huge part of my life as a trans person. And that's like bing, 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 right? Like we forget that's a whole other thing that we have to deal with in the world that cishet folks don't, which is you know, our survival, communicating, staying fucking safe. So if someone comes at us, we match that energy back. And also just listening to other people we don't even know. Again, like tuning into cues and just listening very closely to make sure that you understand the context of what they might be saying or might be trying to convey to you. Yes. Because that, that stuff's really important. It's, it's for your safety. It's for everyone's safety, really. But, yeah, it's just, it's just stuff like that. Like, you may think someone is completely and totally fine, but if you aren't really clued in to what to what they're doing and what they're saying, then, oh my god, Andre, you're crickets. <laughs> if, if you aren't really tuned into that, then you may not understand what's actually going on. Like, I, I, I don't know if I, if I mentioned this before, but on the podcast, I mean, but, um, the time me and my group of trans friends were out and we were in Delan and we were, we narrowly escaped being assaulted. Like I was really tuning into some cues and I was trying to alert my friends to it, but they weren't, we weren't in the environment where they could properly pay attention to the situation. And we got ourselves into a dangerous situation. And it's just one of those things where you really have to just pay attention in your everyday life to ensure that you don't end up in those kinds of situations where they have the potential to blow up and become a, like important or serious. Yeah, so that's like baseline survival when someone's coming at you. And then there's other opportunities, you know, well, when the thing it's is, not it wasn't so even, aggressive. It's it wasn't even that life. aggressive at first. Right. It's it's that the reasoning is because you have to read into the buildup and get out of there before it gets like that. Like you can tell when someone's doing a buildup if you, you know, learn the cues and you listen. And you can tell if that's just if it's just a baseline. Yeah, and so what I want to point out is that a cis normative person doesn't have to deal with any of that. So that skill in and of itself, again more energy that it takes to operate sometimes as trans in the world when you don't feel safe. When you feel safe, it's a whole other story. Exactly. Another thing I feel trans people, 
struggle with, especially, I think, like, in the workplace, uh-huh. is proving yourself to be <coughs> of feminine or masculine quality. Yes. Like, I work and I lift I heavy you. shit all day. Right. So I constantly push and press, especially if I'm with male coworkers, to lift the heaviest shit or do the hardest job. Even though it hurts sometimes. I know. Why do we do that, right? Yeah. It's not necessary. It's. I think it's. It's more so. It's not even us trying to prove something to other people. It's more so trying to prove something to ourselves. Yeah. We we get so wrapped up. We we really want to just make it like prove to ourselves. Because I remember. Um, something that someone. I, I'm not gonna like, go into depth on personal stuff right now. But someone had once said to me, like women will never ever be able to do the same things that men can do and I'll never forget when I was younger and my brother um, could do this one thing I think it was like lifting some kind of object to be able to pull a plow in a field and she said she wanted to do it so bad and she tried it and she couldn't do it and that's when she knew that like women were inferior or whatever and I was like what the fuck right like and that like partially just fuels me to like constantly do all of the shit that she said that I couldn't do right and the old, the old women are inferior uh, narrative that humankind is transcending today it's 2019 and again it's sad because women I see women who push that onto themselves and I'm like no if you just tried harder and you worked for it you could totally do it yeah well and and the secret is, is women really do, the goddess energy really does run the world, and, you know. That's Andre's thing. I don't know much about the <laughs> goddess energy, but I know that... Women! Women, women have, women can do a lot more things can I can, than I can do. I can tell you, they at are, heart and have, soul... They have the picker, and the men know, some men, well, I won't get into that. Yeah. <laughs> heart, soul, and body, I am, I am definitely a man, and anyone who knows me will know this... Because I stink, and I'm gross, and I don't clean my room, and, like, I just forget shit, and, like, I'll be like, I don't know how to fucking shop, like, I don't know how to do things. Like, me and, like, my female friends are two very different entities. It's a whole inquiry called, what is it to be a man, right? It's interesting. It's an interesting I think, conversation. Well, I'll, I'll get into that, because, again, it plays into our topic of, like, things that we worry about, but... Again, there's been studies showing that, like, male brain and female brain is definitely a thing, and trans people express the brain of their preferred gender, and that's just based on, like, neurological patterns, uh -huh. and stuff from CT scans and psychological testing and analysis, but there's definitely a difference between the male brain, like, the male presenting brain and the female presenting brain, because I feel like female presenting brains are super detail-oriented, a lot of them are, like, highly abstract thinking, I feel. Okay. Like, if you have more feminine tendencies, you have more abstract thinking, and you have these, like, detailed patterns, and, like, like you can assess situations more. Because I can tell you, having female managers, my store that I work at is more well-managed than any of the stores in our area, which are all run by men. Uh-huh. And that's the reason, because they, they're just so focused on that kind of thing. 
Right. And men are more so focused on these at-hand basic goals and tasks. And I can say I'm one of those people. I I focused on whatever's ahead of me, and I just fucking I go for it, like freight train style. I'm just like, ah, oh, I'm <laughs> chugging along. Freight train style. But any of my female fa- friends and trans female friends, they have, like, these whole, like this whole in-depth, like, thing where they're just, like, fucking on five different levels, 50 moves, moves ahead of me. Oh, God. And also, they showered. That's but... so... <laughs> and then they showered, too, on top of it. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? Just what you described. Oh, what do you mean? Well, just that whole... The whole thing, how you said they're on different levels all at once, and it's just a beautiful thing. Well, yeah, I just think there's something... I mean, both, both are beautiful. Both and both both approaches, we'll call them. Yeah. They're both valid and beautiful. I, I'm just saying, like, it's not... There is definitely a, a difference between the presenting genders and how our brains tend to function. And so I think that when you have that male-presenting brain in this non-masculine body... Or if you, you know, other way around, you're gonna have, these tasks are going to be intensely impeded, and like, these ways of thinking are going to be impeded, because you have so many other things to account for. Like, I want to be simple, I want to get up and just, you know, do shit in the morning, and, you know, get whatever done, and sometimes that gets put on hold or something, because I have trans things to attend to, because my brain's like... Oh, you gotta remember to specifically put this on or do this uh-huh. so that you can start the day. Right. And, you know, it's just things like that. Yeah. It's, it, it severely can, like, affect whatever pattern you've developed or whatever way you like to do things or solve things. So, you know, it's just, you know, the brain at war with the body and... You can never change the brain to fit the body. That is that is my one philosophy. You can't change the mind to fit the body because minds aren't malleable. Like, if you have a person, they're going to have a personality and their brain's just going to do its own thing. Bodies, bodies are changeable. They're malleable. You can do whatever you want with your body. You can pierce it. You can tattoo it. And you can do hormones, and you can do surgery, you can do whatever makes you happy. You could get lip injections, and facial surgery, and whatever else you want in your life. Mm-hmm. And then there's another aspect, the soul. So, that's, you know, I'm not gonna say anything more about that, just, yeah. you know, that's just something for all of us to contemplate. I mean, I'll, I'll say a little something about it. The, the soul, to me, I'm, I'm not a super spiritual person, and that... Well, the thing is, I have deeply spiritual roots, but I'm at heart a skeptic and logic thinker in my mind, and again, that's just kind of that male pattern of thinking where it's just like, ah, whatever, do whatever's in front of you and get it done, who gives a shit about anything else, but it's just kind of this thought that, like, there's, I feel like there's definitely an energy to people, and though I don't necessarily... I guess, believe in a soul most of the time. I do think that deep down, whatever is within me has just been around for a while and it's just having a hard time right now and you can't change whatever it is that's within you. You know? There's just this baseline energy that you have and that's just what you're always going to have. Well, I hear you that that's where you're at with it right now. 
Yes. Like, there's always just, like, every human just has this base, like a general base of who they are and what they are, and that's just how it is. And that's one reason I think you just can't, you know, change the mind to fit the body. Because the soul is basically that, that setup. It's that setup of, well, this is what you got, work with it. An interesting viewpoint. I can tell it differs from yours entirely <laughs> by the way you lean back and you're like, mmm, sucking on your teeth there. But I understand just because I, I don't know, I, no, I got I, weird viewpoints. No, I just, I hadn't heard that before. It's just something, I hear you, something to contemplate. I think it's important that we all respect one another's viewpoints, especially in the trans community amongst one another. How you do you and how I do me may be completely different, and guess what? I respect you. I, I can say the same thing, yes. except if you're a Nazi. Okay. Just please reevaluate your views. I'm not gonna... I, okay, I will trash you for it. No Nazis. Okay. Just stop. <laughs> but, um... And I just say that because I... I don't know. That, that's just not a safe way of thinking. It's just not safe. Mm. Like, you, like if if you have any any amount of that kind of negativity or superiority, it's not safe for yourself or anyone else. Uh huh. Like that's why it's so important to respect each other in our opinions. Yes. But at the same time, to protect each other from harmful opinions. Like if someone is being extremely aggressive or has this certain kind of way of thinking that might harm those around them in a group, you have to alert them to it and maybe even negotiate or discuss it with them because it's important that they learn to evaluate their views and also consider others' views. Yes. Either you keep and like Kate Born or... like Kate Bornstein says, do whatever you need to do to stay alive, just don't be mean. And Kate, yeah, that's Kate yes. Kate Bornstein is one of our trans She's called Auntie Auntie Kate Kate Bornstein. If you ever want to look her up, she's one of our trans uh, pioneers. I think I think I've I've followed her on Twitter a bit. She's she's a very insightful person, very positive person. She is, and she's starting a webinar series this Monday night, February eleventh, two thousand and nineteen. It's a free webinar series. Kate Bornstein, trans, just for the fun of it. Oh damn that promo! <laughs> So I'm going to participate. But anyway. All right. So we're going to wrap it up for today. I think that's been a, uh, a good time. It's been a b- good podcast. And Oh, let's give our email. Oh, yeah. Again, going to plug the email. It is beyondtrans at gmail.com. B-Y-O-N-D and T-R-A-N-S at gmail.com. So if you ever have any questions or anything you want to know or want to let us know, or if you want to share stories and stuff or opinions on old podcasts, just just email me. I'm, I'm open for it. I may not respond immediately. I got, I got shit to do sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you do. But I will respond as soon as possible. He's amazing. Don't let him fool you. <laughs> <laughs> I got it in. The game. Anyway, <laughs> bye, y'all. Bye, we love you.